Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. Yes. And per tradition, at the start of the month, we're here to shoot the flames. Yeah, it's time to talk about February. That's right, the month of love. And we're going to start by giving you some love by talking about your comments, questions, voicemails, emails, all the things. Yeah, and we're going to give you the latest horror news and trailers. And there's a lot, actually. There is. Things are picking up. That's right. This is what happens. We have all these years in January for them to release stuff like news and trailers. That's right. I felt like the floodgates have started to open for 2024, and it's starting to look kind of interesting. Yeah, I would agree. I think first we need to like address the elephant in the room. What elephant? We haven't had a review in like five months. Holy shit, you're right. Yeah, we've, we're just so used to skipping over the review section now of our Shooting the Flames document that it's just yeah. become second nature. It's been since essentially september i think it's been 87 years <laughs> in film flamers time it's been 87 years someone if you have not given us a review please show us some love for the love of god yeah we just want to read one so it's a dry spell head over to apple Podcasts or itunes leave us a five-star review tell us why you like us we're going to read that on shooting the flames and we should be close to 100 ratings at this point so get us yeah. over the hump and we're not interested in your four-star ratings, pull yourself together and give us a five-star review. God damn it. I mean, please and thank you. <laughs> I mean, really. But I, f- I feel like Apple Podcasts and iTunes is now like an outdated medium. Right. But that's still what Rotten Tomatoes is going by. If we yeah. ever want to become rotten. Yeah. We, we do. Really. Rot, rot Look, it's an arbitrary number. Just get us to 100. Please. We need like 17 at this point. So... And we'd like to read one. Yeah. So it's been a long time. That's right. But we do have lots of comments and we, questions. We and such do. And such. So from our Up in Flames episode, where we talked about the best and worst movies of 2023, Dallas over on Facebook said, I listened to this episode today. I had not heard of Accused. I watched it tonight. So good, but so anxiety inducing. Thank you for the tip. Fire emoji. Awesome. I'm so glad. It's always fun to see throughout the year when people have listened to this episode, you know, our yearly review episodes, what they missed and what we missed and then how much they enjoy the ones that we recommended. And this is one of them. So we're so happy. And I'd love to hear other people. If if you heard of Accused because of us or you're just hearing about it now, go watch it. I've heard that it's on Tubi. Oh, okay. So that's sad. Perhaps that's a place (laughs) that, that one could watch this movie. I would not suggest watching it on Tubi. Because commercials in this movie seem really bad. Yeah. Like you need that tension. Mm-hmm. So good. Thank yeah. you for the comment, Dallas. Nikki over on Patreon said, I am so excited that I've seen five movies on this list and even more excited that I have five I get to watch. Thanks, gents. I'd really like to know which ones are which. That's right. Let us know the five that you've seen and the five that you're going to watch and let us know when you watch those other five. Yeah. And I, I haven't, we haven't gotten any comments that as far as I know about, about the oldest view which is our number one mm-hmm. pick. And I'd love to see what people thought. I did leave in that episode the link to those uh, YouTube episodes in the show notes. And of course, you can just you know search YouTube for The Oldest View as well. Definitely go watch that. I mm-hmm. uh, would like to support that filmmaker any way that we can. Of course. Anthony over on Patreon said, I'm a little surprised Knock at the Cabin ended up on here. Not to knock it. See what I did there? But it didn't just stand out as much to me. 
I enjoyed it and I appreciated the turns it took away from the source material, but after watching it once, I haven't felt the urge to rewatch it. However, I'm so happy to see Cobweb on here. What a sleeper hit. Yeah, um, I'm glad that you appreciated Cobweb. And I think the the deal with Knock of the Cabin was it was just so competently made, well acted and everything else. And it just kind of stayed there, right? It was just like kind of stayed on both of our lists. It persisted. Nevertheless, it persisted. It did. Yeah. So we saw that really early in the year, like we said in that episode, and it sort of just stayed, you know, in the top 10. And um, perhaps in a year where a lot of the movies that were released, horror movies anyway, were, you know, less mediocre, you know, it might not have made it to the top 10. But and I and we haven't really thought about even rewatching things at this point, because we've been just trying to watch everything we could. Yeah. But I will say, I mean, like, it's a really well-made M. Night Shyamalan movie that doesn't really feel like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah. So, I stand by it. But Cobweb was surprising to both of us, I think, like how much we liked it. Right. So, yeah, it definitely deserved to be on the list. Lestat, over on email, said, uh, Gentlemen, it's likely evident that I'm responding as I listen. I had debated asking the two of you if you would comment on the AMC interview The Vampire Show. I found it absolutely enthralling. The pacing, the atmosphere, all of it. The performances, particularly the scene-stealing brilliance of Mr. Reed, are as good as any prestige television to date. It should come as no surprise that I often imagine having the resources to purchase 1132 Rue Royale. I say frequently that New Orleans is the only other city I will willingly live in again. It is close cousin to my adopted town. My previous comment about Ridley Scott was entirely due to his absolute desecration of the story of Napoleon. You are correct. He has not made a good director for quite some time. A remarkable loss for us, as his talent has seemed to evaporate entirely. Although, owing to the onward march of time, I expect we will not have many more opportunities to be disappointed. (laughs) It's uncharacteristically bright here. I think I'll seal out shadows and shade. Warmest regards, L. P.S. (laughs) <laughs> I'm curious as to why they recast Claudia. I was fond of her. Uh, I think that actress kind of exploded. I think she was casting a couple of other things, maybe some movies. I don't know. And she moved on because she seemed very, very well adjusted and got along with the cast as far as I know from everything I read in the behind the scenes and watched in the behind the scenes. But I did want to make special note of that um, show because I thought it was excellently done. And I wanted to make a special mention uh, for long form um you know, obviously, we're not too interested in the mainstream acceptance of what horror is or what the mainstream acceptance of what even really a film length is uh, with uh, the oldest view split into three parts as a YouTube video on our number one, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, we will continue to talk about Interview with a Vampire. We'll get Robert to try and finish it uh, at some point, uh, maybe as season two comes out. That seemed very pointed. Well, you'll have the complete story then, too. And so you'll have an excuse. I wanted to wait till the full book came out. I mean, yes, that's right? true. And I believe that I did say that. Right. Um, but yes, you're quite right. I mean, I probably would be more likely to finish it then. Although I think about finishing it all the time. Okay. Especially when it's pointed out. You should. Uh, he continues. And he says, gentlemen, on pondering further, Skinnamarink is the type of empty pretension that I find offensive. To the extent that it attempts a novel way of telling the story, it is, I suppose, a success that set. If I wanted to be sold an empty story while drowning in the blathering insistence that it had substance, I'd go to a Trump rally. <laughs> we kind of agree. Uh, not even kind of. I fully fucking agree. Well, kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of agree. Um, uh, someone mentioned this movie to me today. 
And they're like, oh, Skinner Marink. And I said, fuck that movie. It just came out of my mouth, you know? <laughs> and there was like, I was just like, no, no, fuck that movie all the way off. Like, I just can't. So I'm glad that you agree with us. I don't know why the scores of people out there are like, oh my God, it's the best horror movie last year. Because it's contrarian. But like we said in the episode, it was like, wasn't the intention, right? Yeah. And so I don't even want to blame the um, filmmaker. I don't think that he was maybe, you know, potentially pretentious. I think he was just trying to make his own little, you know, art film on YouTube and it got crazy and just went out there. And of course, no one's going to say goodbye to the the money truck that's backing up, you know? No. I mean, I certainly wouldn't. I'd be like, no, no, no. Take some of that money away. I don't have, I have no need for it. Yeah. No. But still, still. Fuck Skidamarine. Yeah. Uh, From our episode on Dolores Claiborne, Penelope over on Patreon said, okay, so maybe I need to watch it again, but I got a real sense of retelling of an event, which was really insinuated that might not be 100% truth. Maybe it's the way it was shot. Maybe I just wanted to second guess Dolores. I kind of left the movie wondering whether she basically got away with murdering Vera and wondering how much of the narrative told by Dolores and represented by Selena at the hearing was spin. Maybe I need to read it and rewatch. The staging of the stair scene seemed vastly different to me from that opening scene to the scene that Dolores recounted later. Thinking emoji. Yeah, so editing matters, I think, right? And so they really like, leaned super hard into certain things in making of this movie, as we know, talking about some of the silly things that they did in transitions. Mm-hmm. And this was um, really, really intentionally done to pull the wool over the eyes of the audience and trick them, Right. And so I, in my heart of hearts, believe that the story that is unveiled to us at the end of the movie is the one that is true. Yes. Right. But they really go out of their ways to kind of give a fuck you to the audience to to put them in, in a different direction. Right. They put the camera where it needs to go and let us only see and hear what we need to see uh, to make it seem as likely as possible that Christopher Plummer, the detective, is the one that is correct, especially because it would be just uh, a repetition of what she'd already done essentially you know yep. a happy accident is a woman's best friend mm-hmm. you know and he's he's you know kind of right and everything is there to to make it seem like she has stands she stands to gain by that you know so i don't blame that detective and and i thought the same thing watching it and i'm kind of shocked at myself that i didn't mention this during the episode because i kind of felt the same way penelope i'm not sure that i have ever felt that way while watching the movie but i mean it's really really interesting to think about. i did second guess so. myself uh, what's interesting, it kind of brings up the one of the biggest uh, prestige horror things on TV right now is True Detective Season 4, Night Country, with Jodie Foster. And it's interesting because she's uh, being asked about the history between her and another police officer. And it does a little flashback after her monologue, and it's showing her describe what's happening, and it's not matching what we're seeing. Oh. And it was a really interesting and kind of obvious way to show someone that's lying. Uh-huh. Right. But they're a, they're a protagonist that's lying to kind of protect someone else. It still leaves it a little ambiguous. But for the most part, you know that she's covering up for someone. But it was really, really interesting and done that done well. And I feel like if that was the case, they would have done something like that for Dolores Claymore. More like a reveal at the end or something. That is kind of interesting about True Detective, though. I, I, now I really want to see that. I did before. but And you get to see a corpsicle. Ooh. Yeah, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> from our episode in misery james over on spotify said they stole the alien score when bishop rescues ripley and newt before processor explodes yes i almost mentioned that because in the trailer they used the uh, james corner's musical riff for um the explosion the nuclear explosion and aliens
which is the most used piece of music for trailers. Really? Yes. Okay. So everyone's still on it. Yeah. Oh, we've we've done at least two or three movies where they've used that piece of music in their trailer. Or I know we've talked about movies action that movies and horror movies back in the nineties used all it all the time. Hmm. Suhad over on Spotify said, "Annie Wilkes quote." Throw it all out, except that part about naming the gravedigger after me. You can leave that in. Favorite quote. <laughs> I don't remember that. When, she, when he's starting to rewrite the novel. Gravedigger Annie Wilkes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Misery. I was thinking Dolores. I was still on Dolores. Except that part about naming the gravedigger after me. You can leave that in. <laughs> I, yeah, I chuckled out loud when I heard that. I was like, really? You're taking that as a compliment? <laughs> Anyway, Battle Burrito over on Patreon said, The new porn hotline music got a good laugh out of me. Having never seen this before, I was shocked by how modern and fresh this movie felt. Given the director's filmography, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised. The older couple in this movie was so fucking endearing. I'm so glad people agree with us on that. Yeah, and I had to switch the porn hotline music because we got pinged for copyright music on uh, YouTube randomly. That's okay. I like the new music better, yeah. actually. So I yeah. um, tried to get something that was more accessible and legal to use, and so that's what we did. And also, like, it's fresh, you know, new year, throwing something new in. Right. I like it. And speaking of fresh, obviously, I love that Battle Burrito thought that this movie was, you know, modern and fresh as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, it feels that way, kind of. I, I think it kind of feels really, timeless. It'll stand the test of time. Because the whole sure. point of it is that, you know, you don't have access to phone and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So... Joanne over on Patreon said, another great episode, gentlemen. Sheriff Buster and Deputy Virginia were delightful. I love that they were an older couple that could get it. Slightly off topic for this film, but on topic for Stephen King, The Dead Zone with Christopher Walken and directed by David Cronenberg. Nobody talks about this one, and it's a good film. Walken is heartbreaking as the main protagonist trying to deal with the very unusual cards he was given. Fun fact, as a kid, we got our birthday cakes from Walken's Bakery in Queens, New York. Great cakes. I didn't realize until I was older that it was his family. That's the first time hearing of it. Yeah, I didn't even know that. I've been to Queens. I used to work in Queens. Hmm. Um, The Dead Zone's a very, very good movie, and I think an often overlooked David Cronenberg film. I feel like a lot of people forget that he directed that because it is so different than some of his other filmography. And it sounds like a different role for for Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken is very, very good, and it's a very quiet role. Usually when he's in genre, he is not the good guy. Nope. And he is... It's it's a really good movie, you know what I mean? Like, and I really really love Stephen King, and I feel like every year we tend to do a little bit of Stephen King here and there, and some years we do more than one month of Stephen King. So eventually we will make it to the Dead Zone for sure, because that is a deep dive worthy movie. Kitty Kelly over on Patreon said, in the middle of the episode, but had to pause because of a tiny flub about Kevin Smith. He wasn't actually working on the movie Wild West, but with the producer John Peters ex-Dreisand hairdresser, on a Superman film, which obviously never got made. I thought that's what I said. In fact, didn't I go into a, a Nicolas Cage anecdote about... Yeah, I think you were talking about uh, he was making Superman, but ended up making Wild Wild West. Yeah, they, the producer ended up making Wild Wild West with yeah. the, his own ideas when Kevin Smith left the Superman project. Yeah, right. that's what I thought I said. Maybe this was an offline conversation where I explained it better. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, funny thing is, John Peters gave Smith three stipulations in order to green light the project. One, no cape. Two, you can't call him Superman. And three, the last battle scene has to be Superman fighting against giant spider the smooth movie was axed but peter still got his giant spider fight in the wild west which he produced lol yeah that's what i said you don't want to see my hand where my that's better that's better explanation kitty kelly we should probably hire you (laughs) come write our copy Mm. tim sent us an email and said julia roberts for the lead and misery on broadway big mistake big 
huge. <laughs> I love Julia Roberts, so it may have been interesting to see, but Kathy Bates made that role. I mean, she won the cockadoody Oscar. Wonderful episode. You guys are great as always. Tim. Thank you, Tim. And I agree. Hearing that Julia Roberts would have been on Broadway playing Annie Wilkes just makes me want to vomit in terror. Yeah, I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> no one's going to get that joke. Born after 1990. God. <laughs> shooting From our Shooting the Flames episode in January, Nikki over on Spotify said, Bowie was super hot and opened my spirit to gender possibilities. Fraud Book of Art is epic. And I need to add the show to my watch list. I'm sure you'd get listeners to volunteer their kids' reviews. I'm sure that we would. Yeah. Uh, they could, I guess they could call in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could call the hotline and just like, you know, tell us in, in three minutes I lost what you thought of the Dirt Crystal or whatever. <gasps> yes. Oh, my God. I would love to have voicemails of children telling us <laughs> they thought of movies. Yeah. Do that. Totes. Y'all do that with children. Just Please. Yeah, whenever we do um, a gateway horror or something like, or whatever you want, actually, just get your kids to, you know, call our hotline. We'll do it. We'll we'll put them on the air. Oh my god, that'll be so adorable. They'd love it. They'd hear their little voices. That's right. So adorable and cute. I would try not to say curse words around that part, so you could play it for them. <laughs> Here's your cock a duty kid, <laughs> Mister Man. <laughs> From our Rare Exports episode, Nicole over on Patreon said, This has sort of become a McDaniel family Christmas tradition ever since my husband and I discovered the shorts ages ago and eagerly awaited the feature film. We drank a lot at the time, and it is definitely a movie if you're sober, but we crack jokes with the kids and still have fun with it every year. It also led us to discover the Nazi zombie movie Dead Snow, which I did not know was a whole subgenre of zombie movie now. Is it? Is it? I just knew about that one. I knew about Dead Snow, but it's like a genre. Is there like snow zombies now? Or is it Nazi zombies? Game of Thrones. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, So I watched the two shorts. To me, were far superior than the movie. Like, I really, really enjoyed the shorts. I need to go back and watch them. But it's interesting to me, the, the snowy movies, no matter how violent or weird or dark they are, they're really good, like, you know, fall, winter weather, curl up on the couch movies. Like, mm-hmm. someone... I forget where I saw it, but someone had reviewed Misery and said, like, this is oddly one of the most comfy, cozy movies to watch, like, in winter. Like, just put on the fireplace and put on Misery like you're in, a, like, a, a cute little cozy living room and they're surrounded by snow, like, the whole fucking movie, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm getting in, I agree. This is why I like, like, Christmas horror movies, too. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't really get super, super cold in Texas for long periods of time. But when it's chilly outside, like I would like to put on something that's like winter esque and just be completely warm inside and watching it. It's super comfortable. And I get that, you yeah. know, love it. Um, from our episode on the green night, Bennett over on Patreon said, got some thoughts and questions for you tired Queens on this one. One, my friend who took me to see this at a theater lovingly referred to it as Knights of the round table on acid. <laughs> Two, I thought I read on Wikipedia or something that the original story actually features Sir Gawain and Joel Edgerton's character sharing more than one kiss. Like every time Sir Gawain is asked what he's received during his stay, he just kisses the other guy or something. Three, speaking of Joel Edgerton, yes, believe it or not, he did play Ramses in Exodus, Gods and Kings. Yep. But the year before that, he played Tom Boucheron. Buchanan. And, uh, my, my God, why can't I read today? <laughs> Just made Boucheron. 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 
from a novel that I've read a thousand and one times. He played Tom Buchanan. <laughs> he played. <laughs> he played. Uh, he played Tom Buchanan in the Great. <laughs> I'm leaving all this in. <laughs> He played Tom Buchanan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he played he played Tom Buchanan in The Great Gatsby, which seemed like a good fit for him. He also directed that true life gay drama with Lucas Hedges, Boy Erased. Oh. He's got at least some talent. Four. Don't know if either of you have seen The Last Temptation of Christ, but the last act of this film sure reminded me of the ending of that one. Five. Yes, Dev Patel was in Slumdog Millionaire, kind of his big break, you know? And yes, he has definitely grown more foxy with age. I remember seeing him in Lion and thinking, this twink's getting some muscle now. Yeah, and he has a movie coming out that he's directed. Yeah. Uh, and it looks good. It's like super actiony and violent. Yeah. Yeah. It looks really, really good. I forget what it's called. Oh, it's like Monkey Man. Monkey Man is what it's called. Yeah. It's a Jordan Peele produced or something. Yeah. It looks good. Dove mm-hmm. Patel stars and directs it. And, this, and it looks really, really well done and competent. But um, I'm so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, yes, I have seen Last Temptation of Christ. And I don't remember the ending, so I'll have to rewatch that. I have not seen it in a very, very long time. I have softened to Joel Edgerton. And yes, I do believe that, that when school plays do Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, there is like back and forth comedic kissing depending on the direction. I don't have a problem with Joel Edgerton. He's here, and yeah, I mean that, that's fine. He's fine. Yeah, um, uh, I do love Dev Patel though, and Tom Bouchon. Boucheron. Boucheron. <laughs> Am I on drugs right now? <laughs> it's been a really long day, you guys. <laughs> Joanne over on Patreon said, "Thank you for this episode. I've been curious about this film. Your deep dive actually broke it down in a way that makes me excited to see this one." Other review shows made it seem so ponderous and didn't do the film justice in the way you did. Thank you, God. Right. That makes me feel so good, Joanne. I uh, thought that might validate a little bit for you. It does. And like, there was no way that like doing this episode, the way that Chris feels about that movie, that we would have like left any stone unturned. You know what I mean? So, well, and it's just really depressing because I was looking on, I had to, I was forced to sign in to Apple podcasts to um, validate like, some new, they're doing some some sort of weird thing where they're writing out everything that we say with AI or whatever, oh God, making really? it accessible for people. I don't know. Anyway, so I had to accept all these new terms and conditions. Meanwhile, while I was there, it was saying that only thirty percent of people finish Green Knight episode. Really? That have that have downloaded it and started listening to it. Most the vast majority of people abandon it about a third of the way through. Do you think it's because a lot of people haven't seen the movie? Though? They haven't seen it and they don't get it. We get really into like the more philo- philosophical stuff because because you, you know, have to. I went too hard on it. Maybe I don't know. But either way, the people that have seen it or are interested in it and have that patience um, to really talk about a movie and break it down, like I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And if you do watch it and listen to the episode, maybe you'll understand it a little bit more in different ways because you're standing on the experience of people that have like studied the movie and then have seen it many, many times. Anyway, thank you very much, Joanne. And when you watch the movie, come back and tell us what you thought about it. Yeah, for sure. From our shooting the flames episode in November of 2023, Alex uh, over on Patreon. Hey, Alex said, I kind of want a full film. Flamers. I kind of want a full film. Flamers dream warriors cover after that. Amazing harmonizing. Chris and I do harmonize well. Yeah. 
right? We're the dream warriors. Don't, Don't want to dream no more. That was terrible harmonizing, <laughs> but you get the picture. All right. <clears throat> Full cover coming soon. From our episode of Drop Dead Gorgeous. My goodness. Bennett over on Patreon said, my late father, who was also straight, like Robert's dad, was also a big fan of this movie. So much so, he bought me a DVD of it for my birthday and urged us all to watch it right then. We had all seen it before, of course, but we were a little confused about his enthusiasm. Probably had something to do with the young girls competing against each other. He may have had a thing for Kirsten Dunst, too. This is how I know that my brain is not working. Because while you were reading that and I'm listening, like actively listening, I was just like, who's Robert? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Robert's dad? Who's Robert? I'm like, oh, it's me. I'm Robert. I am Robert. You're the problem. It's you. (laughs) It's me. Hi. I am Robert. It's me. Yeah. um, You know, I think it's also kind of like you probably, I feel like a lot of straight men probably were forced into this movie thinking it was a chick flick. Probably. And they came out of it and it was very much an anti-chick flick, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, You know, much closer to like a dark, much like a very dark comedy. Yeah. And and so they they ended up really liking it. And also there was some eye candy with the girls as well for them. So, and there's some dirt, dirty, like straight guy humor in there, you know, with all the... Yeah, I think with, like, Kirsten Dunst's mom, so, like, Ellen Barkin, like, that character is real fucking, like, dirty yeah. and blue, you know? And there's uh, there's some just politically incorrect stuff in there that's probably refreshing to, to those folks. But also, I've never met a person who didn't like this movie. It's great. So. It's a classic. From our episode on Legend, Bennett over on Patreon said, I can never get enough of hearing that trivia bit about Mickey Rooney not being short enough to stand next to Tom Cruise (laughs) and hearing Robert howling about it, too. Anyway, things like that can bring modern day messiahs back down to size. (laughs) That was probably one of our best fun facts ever. I guess I remember that. It made me laugh so (laughs) hard. Like, Tom Cruise wasn't tall enough. <laughs> oh shit! We got some questions and comments. Okay, from Bennett, uh, he sent us a DM over on Patreon. He said, "Hey, Tired Queens, I decided to make this my New Year's resolution: less news, more Drag Race." Here, here. I've been consuming less news lately and gagging on different versions of Drag Race in the U.S. and overseas in order to keep my sanity. I also just started one of the later seasons of the Boulet Brothers, Dragula, on AMC+. I was also told to start with season four, since that's when Shudder picked up the show, and they actually got a budget and started to give out RuPaul money to the contestants. Anyway, I bring this up because one of the contestants is a woman who goes by the drag name Sigourney Beaver. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, scroll cover. When I heard her name, I immediately thought of you two. Yes! As you should. Sigourney Beaver. Now I need a fucking, like, plush doll. With a, like a beaver, <laughs> just up as dressed Sigourney as Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Beaver. <laughs> I only watched the first season of Dragula, like way back in the day. Like Wait, don't we have a listener that makes plush dolls? <clears throat> I think so. Weren't you going to share like his pictures of plush dolls from from Instagram if you ever got his labyrinth? Um, yeah, from his uh, permission. I don't know if I got permission for that. Mm. Um, but make some corny beaver. And also, I need to go back and watch Dragula, like the rest of it. I've never seen a single Shutter. I've seen season trailers of it. of it. It looks really, really cool. I watched like the first, the first season of it, like way back in the day. But I mean, I knew it was really good. Yeah. Um, but I do love me some Drag Race. Although Bennett, if you're watching the current season of Drag Race, so far it's really not so good. So I have never watched Drag Race. Um, I have seen clips and stuff, and of course, I follow like. You know Trixie and Katya and a couple of others. I see. You know, I like the the 
little games they play where they're impersonating people. Mm-hmm. So I'll watch clips of that. A snatch game. Snatch game. But all like I mean, the stupid interpersonal like uh, drama oh, behind yeah. the scenes and stuff. Like I just I'm not a um, like a reality show reality person. show person. I can do without some of the drama. In fact, when it gets a little too catty and they're fighting too much, like it actively makes me anxious. Like I don't like to watch people like argue and fight and be mean to each other on TV. I just don't like it. Um, so I don't watch like they have another show called Untucked where it's just them being like bitchy to each other behind the scenes. See? And I'm like, I can't do all that. Like, I'll just go to Walmart. You know? <laughs> but I mean, I love Drag Race. So less news, more Drag Race. I fully support that as a resolution. I, in fact, I did that last year. Okay. So. <laughs> Nikki sent us an email saying, taking advantage of a snow day, we're watching Alien Covenant to complete our series watch with the oldest. I have watched this movie at least four times. How did I miss the love storyline between Lope and Hallett? Now I need to go listen to your episode again to see if you discussed it. And I'm mad at myself for missing it. Oh, yeah. We, well, we did that Patreon, right? And then we were like, actually, this is good. And then we went back the year later and did the deep dive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think we did mention um, several romances going on behind the scenes. In Covenant, yeah. Yeah. We did. Because it seemed like everybody was a couple. And that was the point, right? Because they no, were all was, going yeah. to like... Mm-hmm. Including a gay couple. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. From our deep dive into the thing... Oof. Yeah. Uh, Alex said, totally love y'all gushing about this movie. When I first befriended Robert, he made me a list of must-watch horror movies that I somehow had never seen. And this was on the top of the list. Absolutely loved watching this masterpiece of tension and practical effects for the very first time a few weeks ago. I also ended up watching the rest of the Apocalypse trilogy shortly after. Your rankings are spot on for the rest of the series, but I absolutely loved Prince of Darkness for its interesting premise and equally tense buildup. Would love to hear your take about it sometime in the future. Well, we'd love to do the Apocalypse trilogy. We're probably going to do um, um, the in the mountain in the mouths of madness or whatever, mm-hmm. and a Prince of Darkness um, as a dual deep dive one month. I'm sure that's right. And I recently rewatched Prince of Prince of Darkness because I mean he I had not seen it in a very long time. He gushed about that one. He kept saying like how good it was, and I think he gave it like five stars over on Letterboxd. And I was mm-hmm. like, all right, I've got to go check it out again to see. And it's a really good movie. It's a, a lot more interesting. As an adult, because I watched it more often when I was a kid. So, but I'm really glad that uh, you liked the thing, Alex. And um, why would I, why would we lead you astray? Like, honestly, the thing is like one of the best horror movies ever made. It's definitely in my top ten. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of all time, we have some voicemails. Okay, let me hear. Them. My God, <laughs> my God, <laughs> that's one from a Boucheron. <laughs> <laughs> that's one from Beignet. <laughs> Hey, Tired Queens, this is Bennett calling today with a a hot or strong, should I say, strong recommendation for uh, a movie that I recommend, that I'm recommending to you uh, as a fellow gay guy. Um, it's it's not uh, not a horror film, but arguably something horror horror adjacent to some degree. Uh, it's a gay, a new gay drama called All of Us Strangers. Uh, it is a um, indie, indie gay drama that um, stars, I'm trying to remember the cast members' names, uh, Andrew Scott, Paul Metzgall, who is a real up-and-comer right now, Jamie Bell, and Claire Foy. They're the four uh, main uh, cast members in the story, and actually the only cast members with any speaking parts, believe it or not. Uh reason I call about this is that it is a film that uh, had, I, I just saw it last night, and I'm still thinking, just still thinking about it today. And anytime I think about it, I still choke up thinking about it. It was such an incredibly powerful experience. Uh, and 
Um, it's, I mean, it's technically, it is part, part of a gay drama, but at heart, it's really a ghost story. I'll, I, that's all I'm really going to say on that. I don't want to give any spoilers there, but anyway, highly recommend it. Had a profound effect on me. There, there's, there are, there are some subject matter in this. Uh, maybe I can mention it later, but, uh, describe it later in a shorter message, but, uh, there is a lot of subject matter in this film that hit very close to me. Um, not just as a gay guy, but as someone who lost a parent as a teenager. Any story that deals with something like that is going to hit home for me. And the fact that it deals with a gay character who is speaking to his, um, let's call him supposedly dead parents about how they raised him, uh, makes more for an even, that uh, makes for a completely different layer of, of, uh, profound experience there. Uh, something like that. Sorry, I'm, I'm not really, uh, I'm still choking up about thinking about it, so I'm not speaking as clearly about it. So, anyway, hot recommend for you there. Bye. So that's one of two voicemails from him. But yeah, I, I saw this trailer because we always look at trailers that we're going to include on Shooting of the Flames and um, all the strangers. It kind of seemed like I heard about kind of a ghost piece to it or whatever, but we decided ultimately not to have it in Shooting the Flames. And it still seems like the right choice. But um, I love Andrew Scott. enjoyed him since Sherlock, uh, where he played Moriarty. And then, of course, later on, Fleabag season two, he is excellent. And he's been in a lot of other things as well. But I saw the trailer for this and I watched the whole thing. And I was like, I need to see this. I followed it away. And so I'm glad that you reminded me because obviously it affected you like that. Then it's like, it's up my alley as well. So thank you very much. I'm looking forward to that. That sounds like an excellent cast and an excellent premise. I have heard nothing but good things about this movie. Yeah. Like uh, patron Alex went to go see it actually. And um, they said good things about it. So yeah, it's like super, super high on my watch list. Um, it's not playing anywhere close to our side of the Metroplex. One would have to drive what would feel like an eternity to see this movie at this point. But um, I really, really want to see it. So, And also very sorry to hear about um, losing a parent at such an early age. So yeah. our condolences. He sent us another voicemail. Play it. Hey, Tired Queens, it's Bennett uh, calling back uh, just to shortly uh, follow up to my uh, last voicemail about that um, uh film I mentioned all um all of us strangers I uh, was if I didn't say before um I've I'm the kind of person who really built up their emotional guard over the years to in order to protect himself to protect myself as as a gay boy and so over the years I I made it really difficult for myself to cry at all over anything there so uh he, I it can I'm try to get my words together here uh, this was a kind of uh, film that not only uh, had me cry, but I mean, there were a couple of moments throughout the, uh, a couple of particular moments through this film that felt touching, and I started, and my eyes started to water, but not like fully cry. And it happened a couple of times, but by the end credits, man, the waterworks, the dam on the waterworks broke, and I was a blubbering mess, and I like needed several minutes to collect myself afterwards. That shows you how significant a film this is i think i just wanted to add that to you if you ever if and when you do get about to watching it first off uh get in touch with me so we can discuss it sometime and um yeah just uh, my recommendation is to when you is to do that when you have a couple of hours to watch something you know really deeply profound that deals with themes of grief and loss and as well as love yeah that's all anyway best of luck bye yeah that's just it that's all (laughs) 
<laughs> Just something incredibly profound. Okay, okay, fine. We'll watch it. Jesus Christ. We're going to see the movie. <laughs> However, <clears throat> Bennett, I am the opposite, and I will cry at everything. So if you were blubbering in this movie, just imagine me times 10. I'm so, sure. Well, like, palette and spectrum of cry movie cry like there's deep into the ocean where there's a sustained cry and then there's like la la land and big fish where there's like an ending dumpster fire of a cry at the end so and there's like pocket cries like dumbo and you know nope i tend to just let it all out every single time <laughs> like so but you're not a blubbering idiot sometimes it just depends i guess you have the, like, the, the streaming the you get the pretty hollywood tears i do I'm the rest of us are like <laughs> <laughs> Claire dancing about yes, for Claire dancing. <clears throat> However, when I saw Call Me by Your Name, something about the end of that movie I felt to be very profound to me, and I don't know why. It was nothing like my experience. However, when I left the theater, when I saw that in a movie, a movie theater in a mall, I took the back exit out instead of walking out because I was still crying during the end credits. Mm -hmm. And I had to, like, I remember crying for like five, ten minutes by a dumpster. I was just like, before I could go to my car. Collect yourself. Yeah. So, get it, Bennett. So, I'll be watching this in the comfort of my home. <laughs> and I'll be crying in the comfort of your home whilst we watch so it. So, or were you saying that it's still in theaters somewhere? Mm -hmm. It's or? in theaters now. Damn. All right. Well, we'll have to wait. We have another voicemail? Yes, we do. Oh, my God. Why do I keep saying that? <laughs> oh, my God. This one's from Nimbly Wembley. Hey, Film Flamers. Nimble Wembley here. I love you guys, Robert and Chris. Been listening for almost a year now, so I hope I don't tread on any old territory, but I've got a couple of questions I've been wanting to ask you guys for a really long time. Number one, if you guys could remake any horror movie as a Muppet movie, which one would you do, and which Muppets would be in it playing what parts, and which uh, humans would you guys use in the movie? I think that'd be really cool and really fun uh, to do. All right, we're going to break this up because I'm going to answer this right now so we can have two different thoughts. Okay, first of all, I wish that I had more time to answer this question. I feel like I could spend a very long time talking about it. Go ahead. What are you going to say? All right, so I thought about this a little bit, all right? right? Because I, I read the transcript. I didn't ever listen to this. We would try and listen live mm -hmm. so things are fresh, but I couldn't help myself. So I read the transcript like yesterday in preparation. And I thought about it for a little bit and I was just like, Midsummer. Oh my God. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm going to reverse it. So it's not like Miss Piggy and <laughs> the big cry role. It's Kermit. Oh, right. And then like Miss Piggy's going to be like the girl that is trying to get the other guy with her like period blood or whatever. And then <laughs> there's so many, like so much like singing and weird dancing going on in the background. I feel like that would be hilarious. It really, really With would. a bunch of like Muppets. Can you <clears throat> imagine going through the archway and it's just like a bunch of Muppets like doing that singing or whatever. And then the Maypole with a bunch of like Muppets frolicking around like Dark Crystal style. It's great. Yeah, fling. Well, so like we... Oh my God. And then like the Kermit, like an older Kermit suicide fall from the rock or whatever. And <laughs> <laughs> Or what, what? It could be Statler though, falling from that rock. Come on! <laughs> right before we were recording this, like I, I saw the transcripts yes, and I was Statler. just like, "I'm just Statler, <laughs> Walter Statler falling from the rock." <laughs> like I was thinking about it because we had a little bit of time before we came to record. This religion. <laughs> <laughs> and the first thing I thought of was kind of Midsummer or something Ariaster esque, but I don't know. I need more time. With this question. Something with singing and dancing. You know what I mean? Like back block swan with Miss Piggy. <laughs> or I just need something like silly. You know what I mean? Like I was thinking maybe like The Shining with like Sam the Eagle as playing the Jack Nicholson part because he's very matter of fact or whatever the fuck. <laughs> and I could just see Miss Piggy running around in that stupid corduroy jumper. 
you know, <laughs> or like animal, <laughs> like Beaker or someone Beaker and Bunsen playing the twins, like holding hands at the end of the hallway. Like, I think that would be fucking hilarious. Yeah. Well, honestly, any, honestly, any movie is made better with Muppets. Yeah. I was going to say yeah. any fucking movie would be better with Muppets. In it. Certainly the voyage of the Demeter. <laughs> well, which you actively said would have made that. I movie wish better. that I was watching Muppet treasure Island. Really <laughs> Tim Curry and Kermit. I feel like we could devote quite a bit of time on this particular question. And I want to think about it more and come back with a better answer. But for right now, I really want to see Sam the Eagle play the Jack Nicholson role in The Shining. Okay. However, Midsommar would be fucking amazing. I don't know. I feel like Gonzo would make make a good Jack Nicholson. Well, I like it. I also like Kermit because, like, his mouth moves just such a way when he's going crazy or getting frustrated or angry. <laughs> it crumples up a little bit. And be so cute and endearing and be like, hit me with a baseball bat. I don't care. Well, we've already made a shirt that has a Muppet as a May Queen. So why can't why not get this oh my for God. chef? I mean, like, come on. You're right. <laughs> I mean, I accepted myself. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, head over to thefilmflamers.com. Where you can click on our store and get that shirt. It's yeah. the Swedish chef dressed up as the May Queen from Midsummer, <laughs> And it says, hi for Luton. Hi for Luton. <laughs> What's All the right. second part? And then number two, if you guys could Frankenstein your own horror movie from other horror movies, what plots would you use? What archetypes would you use uh, from other movies to put that together? And setting, you know, who would be the villain, the skeptic, the scholar the old wise person the protagonist maybe the sexy couple uh just what movie would you guys put together would love to hear your opinion on that guys thanks so much and uh flame on thanks flame on isn't that the human torch yeah it's marvel right yeah did we ever say that no Hmm. flame on (laughs) flame her on (laughs) we will um, you know, we thought about this before a little bit. We've done sequel ideas really early, and so that's kind of some fun uh, mishmash. I think mm-hmm. what did we do? We did uh, was it uh, what was the Glenn Close movie with um, wasn't Fatal Attractions? Fatal Attractions, and the sequel was <laughs> their kid was Sigourney Weaver going to Alien. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's a mashup. The things that you don't expect, you know what I mean? Like Basic Instinct, you know, and RoboCop. <laughs> together or something but the thing that i keep thinking of uh, multiple episodes throughout the last five years has been especially now that we've done a top 13 has been like any given supernatural movie that we have done and then just watching Mulder and scully walk on frame oh my god you know what i mean just like instantly would make it better i have always wanted like an expendables horror movie you mm. know what i mean that has like all the iconic like slasher villains linda Hamil- in it oh and linda hamilton and sigourney weaver and yeah like all these final girls mixed yeah. together and then all the different like slashers curtis from their movies right and i feel like there's there's kind of a book like that that came out and recently. some british girl answering a phone going hello hello hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so i think that'd be great i would just love to see like Freddy Krueger, Jason, Michael Myers, Ghostface, like all these people, like all in the same movie. That like I have always, always, always wanted this. There's no way in the world that it would ever be good. You yeah, know what no. I mean, well, like, I mean, it would J- be Jason versus Freddy was way better than it deserved to be for like the wrong reasons. Yes. you know what I mean. But like, there's no, there's no plot you could actually have really with all these people, all these different villains in it. But I would love to see that. Like my little fan horror boy heart would just explode. If all yeah. these like properties were in the same movie, 
So I feel like these two questions are really, really good. I just need more time, really. But also, like, guys, listeners, let us know what you would put. What movie do y'all want to see with Muppets? Which horror movie? Thank you for that voicemail, Nimble Wimbly. Nimbly Wimbly? Nimbly Wimbly. (laughs) (laughs) We have a new patron. We do? Yeah. How do you say that? Sinistero? Sinistero. Sinistero? Signs the row? I don't know. Signs? It's like a math term. Uh, they joined at the Film Flamer tier. Thank you for joining the Patreon family. But we have to shout out our patrons at the Film Flamer tier or higher. And at the $25 Inferno level, we have... Call me Lestat. Kimberly. And Penelope. And at the Flamer level, we have Anthony. Ashley. Ben. Big Dave. Glazed Donut. Jessica. Lisa. Nikki. Rosie Red Leader. Sinistero. Wallstrich. And William Skinner. But especially Wallstrich for coming back to the family and uh, pledging for a full year. So you have a lot of bonus content coming out for you, Wallstrich. All year long. And of course, Sinistero and Comulostats and some good stuff too. That's right. Comulostat, your emails. You know what? Thank you, that. everyone. It was a great month for, for commentary. It really was. All the commentary. In mm-hmm. fact, a lot of the people on this list that we just listed your name out sent us lots and lots of things. So, yeah. Love it. Horror news. So, there are two pieces of horror news that I think we need to talk about back to back because it's all about like travel. And it seems like uh, people are making very bespoke horror destinations that we can visit, right? Uh, we recently talked about there going to be like a universal horror nights kind of thing that's opening in Las Vegas that's going to be going year round. But yeah. now, Universal Epic is a park that's going to be opening in 2025 down in Orlando, and they're going to have a whole dark universe section where they're reimagining some of the classic universal monsters and using them in a whole section of the park, complete with rides, shows, etc. Wonderful. So I am super looking forward to that. But also Blumhouse is partnering with the Stanley Hotel, which is the hotel that inspired Stephen King to write The Shining over in Colorado. And they're creating sort of a horror destination there with like a, um, a film exhibit or it's all like devoted to horror films that you could like go and tour while staying at the Stanley Hotel. So hopefully we can add these to our travel docket when they're available and oh, yeah. people start making some more of these like horror things that we could travel and do. Cause I certainly want to go. It's like a pilgrimage. I still need to show you that, that place at Mount Washington. I feel like really feel like that's like the shining place. I mean, on the what, ghost hunters. Oh the, yeah, 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 yeah. The room across from <laughs> us, like a whole episode dedicated to it. That's right. You had all those videos from that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Anyway, Danny Boyle and Alex Garland are reteaming for the long awaited sequel to 28 days later and 28 weeks later titled, 28 years later. I had no idea Shocking. it would be called that. And and he might direct, be directing two more after that. So it might be a new trilogy. Really? Danny mm. Boyle's doing this? Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, Alex Garland. And then, of course, our actor. That's right. Cillian so, Murphy is uh, signing on to produce as well. I read and that so today. He, yeah. may, he may actually have been so the, the whole band's coming back together. That's good. I mean, and they need to, because otherwise I feel like the movies might suffer a little bit. I wonder if they're right. going to use those 20-year-old Canon XLS cameras to make it look the same. That'd be great. Make it look the same a little bit? Yeah, because time stopped back in like 1999 or whatever the fuck it was. Mm-hmm. 2004, whatever this came out. I don't know. 2002? 2001, right? They filmed during 2001 because of that anecdote 
Uh-huh. They were filming the party sequence, the little celebration the sequence 9/11. on 9-11. Yeah. And it came out in 2002, I think. Anyway, regardless. I mean, I, I would love to see more from that story. You know what I mean? And like, but where are they going to go after 28 years later, 28 decades later? I don't know. I think it's probably going to be a trilogy taking place at the same time, 28 years later. Okay. Well, I'm fine with that too. 28 years later. Again. Honestly. <laughs> They just had me at Danny Boyle and Alex Garland. Really? That's any a, any sentence that you start with that, I'd be like, what? In Killian Murphy, yeah. yeah. You've perked my eardrum. That's right. Pecked it right up. Next up, we've got uh, some really, really good news. <laughs> and that is David Gordon Green has exited the Exorcist <laughs> sequel and Blumhouse is searching for a new director. <laughs> That's the best fucking news I heard all day. Right? <laughs> good Lord. David Gordon Green needs to be stopped. And he has, apparently. Yes. So he has good. been stopped by his um, own success. Or he through. can't hurt us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that Exorcist movie was just shockingly fine. It was, that's it. I don't even, do we even talk about it on Up in the Flames? I yeah, remember. we did. We talked about the, the franchises. Yeah. So, yeah. It, uh, I like, I don't know. When I heard that they had taken him off the, the directorship of that, I was like, good. Blumhouse, stop trusting this man to ruin perfectly fine franchises. Honestly, I don't think they should even search for a new director. I think they just drop it. Like, I don't know how much money they've already spent. Right. I'm sure a script has already been written or something like that. But just just, just stop. Scrap it. Yeah, it was it, you. You did it. You made a movie. People saw it. Most people didn't like it. Like, yeah, don't don't do it. And then Halloween, people are very mixed on, you know, his movies. And so I'm just like. You know, that was kind of a passion project that kind of went out of hand to me. Yeah. And then, you know, he was like, oh, I can do, I can do for this franchise what I did for that. And it was more about money and business, I feel like, than, than him being passionate about something. But I'm just guessing there. Well, why does it have to be a trilogy? You know what I mean? Because that, that, that first Halloween movie, you know, was, was okay. You know, I, I didn't dislike it. I liked it, you know? And then as the, the trilogy went on, I was just like, okay, this, none of this needed to happen really. And from the get on this new exorcist movie, that's what I felt. I was just like, it's a movie, but did we need to see it? Did it need to be made? And for me, the answer is no. no. So by David Gordon Green, we barely knew ye. Bye. Or maybe we knew ye too much. <laughs> Coming soon. So we have a lot of trailers to talk about. And the first one is a movie called Lovely Dark and Deep, which is coming to VOD in February. Which VOD? We don't know, but uh, it's coming out soon. Yeah. Obviously, this is February shooting the flames. So, <laughs> And uh, it seems like this movie got some festival love, like it played at Fantastic Fest and things like that. Kind of sad that it's just video video on demand versus yeah. theatrical or a big studio didn't pick it up. I don't know if it's XYZ or... I, I, I think it was XYZ was. or Neon or something like that. So, But... Um, like the trailer looks good. I mean, it seems like some sort of like cosmic folky kind of horror. It seems to be about um, a park ranger in the national park. Yeah. It's about the absolute Appalachian creepypasta stuff. Yeah. And then people like have gone missing or whatever. And it's just like some big cosmic event happening. And there's like people crawling all over trees and in the background, it does look kind of frightening. It does. Um, and seems like something I'd like to see on the big screen, but you know, watching movies from your house is very similar to that. but um yeah there's one particular moment where there was something on someone's face and i was like oh what is that so i don't know check this trailer out 
Next, we got Stop Motion, which is in theaters in February. And this is about a girl that's making her own movies with Stop Motion, and it's going into the creepiness of Stop Motion. Are they where you left them? Have they moved in between frames? Uh, are they escaping the set and doing their own thing? Or is there folklore behind some of the stories that you are shooting about, given to us by a creepy little girl? I don't know. You'll have to watch this movie. It'll be in theaters this month. And I don't know, like, the thing that makes this particular trailer off-putting to me isn't the plot or the seeming plot of this film. It's the little fucking stop-motion puppets. Little Muppety, little yeah. Muppety puppets? Like, they look... Like Mad God, they look they, very they mad look God-y. very Mad Godish, right? They're and then there's going to be stand-ins. It seems like they're hinting that there's going to be real life kind of like full makeup stand-ins for them, right? Like a life-size yes. one. Yeah. So I'm here for that. I'm here for these little puppets because they look kind of frightening. The rest of it, you know, seemed very matter of fact that we've seen it before you know what i mean like i don't think they're treading on any new ground yeah, here seem very high concept yeah fill in the blanks for the high concept type of movie so i mean and, like visually yeah. scary we've been but, there yeah exactly haunted um, pool you know <laughs> <laughs> that movie night swim has just come out this month right it came out in january it is already available to rent on amazon <laughs> that is how much money it made <laughs> nice good lord uh next up is a movie called immaculate which is coming to theaters in smarch right and this is about it looks like a nun who gets preggers mm-hmm. sort of like the immaculate virgin the yeah. immaculate conception yeah. right like mary but you can see it looks little rosemary's baby in a convent type of situation um there's some like you know priests or whatever or nuns that are have like red veils and stuff and there's some really creepy imagery and uh looks kind of interesting so it'll be interesting it might it might go the way of like the the pope's exorcist which a lot of people liked but kind of flew under the radar we still didn't see in 2023 uh still one of the ones that flew under my radar and slipped through the cracks um hopefully this doesn't do that and i'm hoping that i'll hear that it has uh, great reviews in march and uh we can go and uh, be excited about something yeah, I mean, I'm kind of intrigued by the plot. Like a, a nun obviously should be a virgin, right? And yeah. being pregnant. Um, but I don't know. Again, it just seems like something that I have seen before or at least experienced before. And religious horror is not always like my go-to, but I don't yeah. know. I'll give it a shot. Next up is a movie that I am actually very, very excited for, and it's called Abigail which is coming to theaters in April, starring Melissa Barrera and Dan Stevens. I love Dan Stevens. He's so dreamy. Yeah, he's super eclectic. I loved him in The Guest, you mm-hmm. know, one of our best Halloween horror movies. And of course, he's played anything from like crazy mutants and Marvel TV to Beauty, Beauty and the Beast's Beast, mm-hmm. you know, to Down, Down Abbey. Right? Down Abbey, yeah. So he played psychopaths, villains, you know, uh, heroes, etc. Super eclectic. I still haven't seen one of his that came out on Amazon a couple years ago, like, antlers or something or whatever the fuck it was called or the ritual i forget which one of those he was in oh the netflix movie yeah Yeah, whatever it was anyway abigail so this movie starts out i was just like ho-hum watching this trailer right and um and it's like kind of a kidnap movie the like you know they're kidnapped this like rich person's daughter i guess or i really thought it was like taken yeah it was like taken right and then it turns out the kid is a fucking vampire and they're locked in this goddamn house with her and it's like 
Megan <laughs> all over again, but like vampire and it's fucking great. And it, like this trailer has me so excited. I cannot wait for April. I mean, for real though. For multiple reasons now. I, when you, you sent me this trailer when it was first released and I started watching it and I was just like, why did he send me this? Like taken, like, did he even watch it? And then like when the little reverse happens and I was like, the fuck is this? And I got so happy. And then I saw the directors. This is the directors of Abigail were the people who did like ready or not. And the most latest screen movie. And I feel like they really make the kind of horror movies that I like and want to see. Yeah. Hence uh, Melissa Barrera, who's from the screen franchise now. Exactly. And so, well, it was, but, um, (laughs) so I'm just really excited about this movie and I feel like I'm going to be very excited about these directors for quite some time. Yeah. You know, they've like reached this like Jordan Peele level where I just get excited when I see his name. However, unlike some Jordan Peele movies, like I have yet to be disappointed by them. I really liked the latest screen movie. I thought it was enjoyable and fun and it made some changes. Didn't quite hit either of our top tens, but no, but it was, it came close on mine. And, um, like, I really still love Ready or Not. Like, when people ask me about recent horror movies to watch, I'm like, go watch this one because it's really, really good. And this movie looks like a lot of fucking fun in a way that they can tell a movie. Like, it looks really tongue-in-cheek, very, very funny, right? And still incredibly gory and scary. So bring on Abigail. Come on, please. Definitely the one I'm most excited about on this list. Yes. Next up, we've got The First Omen which I'm assuming is in the Omen franchise. It has a prequel. And uh, this is coming to theaters in April as well. And it stars Ralph Innocent of, you know, the witch fame and mm-hmm. Bill Nye of everything, including the Underworld series. Of every British movie. Yeah. And so, uh, and Love Actually, I guess, which I've never seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Pirates of the Caribbean, right? He played yep. the, the, the octopus beard guy. Anyway, so this looks interesting. Um, I'm not quite sure the time of this that it takes place in. Maybe... Obviously, it has to take place earlier than like the '60s, I guess, or something. I don't. I yeah. Don't so, I, how old was Damien in the Omen? Do you remember? It was like his sixth birthday or something like that, yeah, probably. Maybe. So, I mean, like, we're, this is about the the birth of Damien or the gestation of Damien and its birth. Oh, right. see, I thought it was like a another Omen that was failed or something. No, no, I think this is like the first Omen, like literally meaning like the first one before the Omen. Like, I think this is supposed to be about, like, Damien being brought into the world. Okay. Because he's, he's adopted by whatever his name is, like, the ambassador. Yeah, it's going to show, like, maybe the maybe it'll show, like, his mother, which is supposed to be the... It's supposed to be a horse, right? Or no, not thing. a horse. It's supposed to be a uh, jackal. A jackal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I really, really like the omen. Like, the first the, the first omen. Yeah. The, the omen. But... Um, <laughs> the first one. <laughs> like, and I've never really seen the rest of that series, although I hear people like it a lot, right? But I really like the omen. Yeah, I think and, the second or third one has Sam Neill grown up mm-hmm. as the as the guy. I think that's all right. Um, it's not a bad franchise. The first one's obviously the best with Gregory Peck and all that. And the, the remake uh, was well acted and well done, but just didn't hold a candle to the original. No, and they, they, they can't, but... Like this one, it seems like a cool trailer. They really didn't give away too much. It's really just a whole bunch of things happening in reverse. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that it started with the baby and then like went backwards. Yeah. And it was really, really, really unique for a trailer. And I liked that. So I'm, I'm here for it. You know, I, I will watch it. I like The Omen enough to, to give a prequel a chance. You know what I mean? And maybe I'm wrong. You know, like the trailer doesn't give too much away, which I think is really good for that. Like let people go in blind. So hopefully they don't release a whole shitload of trailers leading up to it in April. 
But I guess we'll have to see. Um, coming to theaters in May is a movie called Tarot. And this movie was originally titled Horror Scope. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Ha- which... <laughs> which <laughs> and it was on a lot of like upcoming horror movie lists that i was seeing like right around the end of last year right and i was like i don't know what this is but then when this trailer was released they were like yeah it used to be called horror scope so they changed the name of it quickly (laughs) and threw it on this trailer but this trailer kind of surprised me actually like i didn't i didn't know where it was gonna go and then by the end of it i was like this really feels like 13 ghosts yeah because it's showing like the the like realizations of a bunch of the cards and they're all horrific versions exactly of those drawings right they're not just like renaissance looking they're very dark looking right Mm -hmm. it's like knight of cups might be like you know some really creepy ass like grim reapery light looking guy or something you know and so it looks really really like it looks obviously like popcorny temple horror oh yeah you know this is not a deep movie but uh, i'm here for it i mean it could very easily be some sort of pg-13 movie you know what i mean but if they if they go the way of 13 ghosts and like really take the time to create like really cool like monsters like i'm totally here for that it almost so. seems like they tied in fate to it as well. So it's uh-huh. not just 13 ghosts, but it also seems like a little bit of um, a oh, final destination. Final destination. Yeah. I mean, well, of course, like fate would probably play a part of it if it were called horror scope. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like it would go hand in hand. Horror scope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm here for it because I, I think those monsters look kind of cool. So yeah. Next up, we've got a movie called In a Violent Nature. And uh, this is coming out to Shudder sometime in 2024. So when a violent nature played at Sundance recently um, and got a lot of buzz, it is a slasher movie that's told POV from the slasher, right? A la like some like the original Friday the 13th, things like that. Yeah. So it's like a, the reverse perspective. And so it's like, you know, we get a lot of quotes at the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. That's like, this is like no horror movie you've ever seen because it's so high concept, probably. Probably. So we've yet to see if this is actually good. The fact that it's coming out to Shudder. I don't know if Shudder has put things in theaters before. They have. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens if they actually can put this in the theater or if it's just going to come out there. That doesn't mean to say it's going to suck. No. And I, I feel like sometimes we get a little burned from Sundance. I mean, because last year, Run, Rabbit, Run was one of like the bigger movies that got a lot of buzz horror movies out of Sundance and like talk to me. I didn't really hear much about it all. Right. You know? It's like this year's like let the, the TV, the light of the TV or yeah, the, the, the TV light glow or something. I saw the like light that. of the TV glow or something. And that's supposed to be like super queer oriented too, like queer horror. And so like, I'm kind of excited about at least these two horror movies coming out of Sundance, mostly because yeah. I like slashers. I like it when they do something different, even though I feel like slasher POV is not anything new for that subgenre but um one of the quotes on this trailer says best kill of the year Mm. and um i am always here to see what people think that is so bring this movie on plus i really like the title same Mm -hmm. so let's see it just for that the last trailer we're going to talk about is really not a trailer as more of a teaser but it's a series of teasers that was kind of pieced together um a couple weeks ago a teaser was released for a movie that we did not know the title of it. And the internet kind of exploded and like horror movie circles on social media. were talking about what this movie could possibly be. And people knew that there was a movie coming out in 2024 called long legs, um, starring Nicolas Cage and Micah Monroe directed by Oz Perkins. 
which we've talked about on the podcast before. And I think we all know at this point that this is what this teaser is, teaser is about, right? Or the movie that's... It's hard to tell, to right? Like, this is a director that did Black Coast Daughter, which I haven't seen, Gretel and Hansel, which I did, which is a little art house. Yeah. And then I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House, which I also did not see. I've seen all these movies. Okay. So, and I, I really, really like Oz Perkins. I think the Black... Black Coat's Daughter is really, really good. Gretel and Hansel, like, wasn't my favorite whenever we saw it in the theater and did that hot take episode on all those years ago, if you recall that episode. Wow. So, um, and I'm the pretty thing that lives in the house is good, but it's very, very sluggish. But um, So are they all kind of, is that the common theme, a little art house-ish, a little pretentious? Yes. Yeah. All right. So, you know, and this is also starring Nicolas Cage, who can also be a little pretentious. Mm-hmm. And uh, Michael Monroe, of course, from uh, It Follows, who we're going to be doing, you know, this month. That's right. Uh, I'm not going to be doing her. We're going to be covering her. <laughs> well, and she was in that movie that we saw the very first time that we went to. Overlook. Overlook. That was the first night ever Overlook. We watched the opening night movie and then we saw that one. And um, God, what was Watcher that or something like Watcher, that. Watcher, yep. Yeah. And that movie was so good. Yeah. You know, and so like, I really, really like her and I love that she's still doing genre stuff, but like this movie is supposed to be about a serial killer. And like the very first teaser that was released for this was just like like a still image of a family. And then you hear this 911 call in the back about someone's daughter. Right. And I don't know, this movie uh, since then has released like poster art. Like the this week at the time of this recording, the poster art looks really cool. Like, yeah, and we debated not not even covering this this episode because I think the full trailer is going to be on the Friday after this uh, this yeah. was recorded. So they are marketing the shit out of this. They movie. really are. They're really trying to 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 drum up some intrigue around this movie. So it'll be interesting to see if the trailer actually exposes a little bit more of the narrative here because I'm not I'm just not seeing it. No, yeah, I mean all, all I know is it's a, a serial killer movie. You know, with Edgar Monroe and Nicolas Cage and, right. you know, this Oz Perkins as the director. So, I mean, like, I'm yeah. intrigued enough. So we'll see. But like out of this group of trailers, like, I I don't know. You know, we, we just talked about our feelings on 2023 as a whole when it comes to horror movies. And I don't neither one of us were too impressed with 2023. And so I'm like, 2024 has to redeem itself. And like here we're just talking about seven movies eight really if you want to count that teaser as a, a trailer and i don't it seems like kind of a mixed bag to me so but yeah i guess most years are like that and i guess we it's just now february so we have a ways to go yeah but i don't know some that i'm really looking forward to some that i can kind of do without and others i'm like well maybe yeah we'll see just like last year right i mean i feel like it's still a pretty good year when we can still say movies are good and we can recommend them outside of our top 10 yeah Well, I think that just about wraps up this month's Shooting the Flames. As always, we would like to read your comments and questions. So you can find us on social media at The Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, threads, all the places. You can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972-666-7733. Mm, call us and maybe we'll let you talk to Tom Bucheron. <laughs> Bucheron. Bucheron. Oh my god, I'll never let that down. Uh, wrap your immaculate long legs around me in a violent nature. Yeah. <laughs> Stop motion. <laughs> <laughs>
doubting, <laughs> doubting your commitment to stop motion. <laughs> <laughs> Boucheron. <laughs> Lucky I don't get in. I've seen your horoscope. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer tarot. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, meet us up next week when we are covering possession and it follows the week after that. Right. So we're going to be celebrating uh, lots of Valentine-y type of movies with sexually transmitted demons and spirits. I feel like the theme this Valentine's Day is all about breakups and how they can go bad. Yes. So, good. Uh, Like we mentioned earlier, we need some reviews. So anywhere you can leave us one, do that, please. But especially over on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to join the Patreon family, um, and we know you'd like to, we can read your name on the next Shooting the Flames, head over to patreon.com slash thefilmflamers, where I don't think that we've decided what our bonus episode is this month. Could it be a poll? Who knows? Head over there and find out. Don't be a boucher on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Robert. Yes, Chris. <laughs> I think it's time to give our wagging tongues a rest. <laughs> and have some sweet dreams. <laughs> I will never forgive myself for reading that wrong. <laughs> Although it's gold. Comedy gold. Yes. Deke. <laughs>